a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you uh, in the context of like, we're in this time, I, I, we're always in a time of change, right? Things are, that's kind of the, the singular constant in our lives is things are always changing. We get that. But I think we've, of course, uniquely and acutely felt this change element in, uh, in the recent months. And I shared with you that a- as a church, we are in the midst of all that change. The one thing that, that doesn't change is, is our mission. And we have to be open to how methodologies might have to change and we have to pivot and do things differently. Who'd have thunk like just five or six months ago that we would have done all that we did, have done in just this last several months. And so God's been incredibly gracious uh, for us to be able to pivot as much as we have done. But at the same time, our mission remains constant. And I shared that with you. For those of you who are a regular part of Calvary, you know what it is, or I hope you do. And that is that we are here to help people follow Jesus together. That's what it's all about. It's about helping people become Jesus followers and meeting them at whatever their place might be. So if there's a person who doesn't know Jesus as Savior yet, well, the first step is helping them to understand who he is and, and crossing that line and trusting him as Savior. And then for people who have, who have, who have to crossed that line and trusted him as Savior, you want to help them grow up and become more like Jesus. 1 John 2 says it this way, those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, John just didn't make that up on his own. He saw that those same words uh, and heard those same words from his teacher, from his his, uh, rabbi, his model, his example, and that was the person of Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 640, are students better than their teacher? Well, the answer to that rhetorical question is, of course, no. Students are never better than their teacher. We're not going to become better than our teacher, than our master, than our rabbi, our savior, our Lord Jesus. But when they are fully trained, they will be like their teacher. So that's what drives us. We help people follow Jesus together by helping them to live their lives as Jesus did, like John said. To help become like their teacher, like Jesus, just as his own words so we talked about the three-dimensional nature of that a couple of weeks ago, how we're called to, to be in an upward relationship. So in this season of change, we, we look up to the one who's unchanging, who gives us that firm foundation that we, that we sang about today. We lean into each other. Now, I know that makes it challenging in these days of social distancing and mask wearing, and even with a, with a, with a new executive order, it might even become a little bit more challenging. But at the same time, we also don't, don't think that the family of God doesn't go, go away. We, we, are fam- we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So in whatever way we can, we find ways to lean into each other, correct? Because we find great strength. We find great solace. We've, we find great enemy. enemy. <laughs> Sometimes we find enemies. Might have been a Freudian slip there, right? All of you psychologists out there are thinking what's in his head. We find great energy in the body of Christ. But we're also called to, while we look up and lean in, we're called to live out. We live out that calling of ambassadors. Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. I love the emotional language that Paul uses. Pleading through us. We implore you. This isn't just a casual ask. Oh, if you have the time to think about it. We implore, we beseech, some of the older translations say. We beg you, be reconciled to God. That aspect is what I'd like to look at today. 
Over the next couple of weeks, I'd like to take each of those up and out elements, that three-dimensional discipleship of becoming like Jesus, and kind of drill down a little bit. And we're going to begin with the end in mind by looking at the out component. And we had a couple of uh, interesting and, and, and fun ways to live that out as a, as a ministry this week. Uh, this week on, on Tuesday, uh, some of us who are on ministry staff were able to uh, visit the Hope Clinic in Ipsy. And uh, we were able to prepare a meal there and serve that meal there. And so that was just a, and we've actually had the executive director, Doug Campbell, uh, come and speak at one of our Sunday services. And it was just great to hear Doug's heart and so many of the other staff members' hearts about serving the community there in Ipsy. And uh, they provide meals, they provide uh, groceries, they provide dental and health care, they provide spiritual care and prayer. And so just a wonderful, one of our wonderful partners in our Calvary Loves outreach. And so it was great to be able to be on site with them. And then as well, uh, many of you know, our student ministries team was serving on the Detroit mission trip. And uh, we happen to have uh, Stephanie Tulock and Rachel Byers here with us. They were both on that trip. And so they're going to come up and share a little bit about how they got, saw God at work, kind of what they did, how they saw God at work as they were partnering there with CDC in Detroit. So let's welcome them up, if you would, please. You don't need to clap. Um, so we are so thankful. Um, just like everything else in the past few months um, that looks different, so did our Detroit mission trip. Um, we were not able to take as many students as we normally do, but we were so, oh, there I am. But I'm so loud. Y'all can hear me anyway, right? So, um, so we are so thankful to be able to take um, the that we could still have one and able to take um, the students that we did. So there were 27 of us um, students and leaders that went down last week and were able to be a part of their day camp um, and also a work team. And so we, um, CDC, we've been praying with them these past several months um, that they would be able to have their day camp in some fashion. And we are so thankful that God um, was faithful and provided a way for them to do that, albeit not the same as it was and not as many kids, but we were still able to do it. And one thing that God um, so spoke to me last week um, was his faithfulness. And the CDC uses um, as part of their, as their vision, they take a couple of verses from Zechariah 8, and it's where God is talking about the Israelites are coming back to Jerusalem from being in captivity, and, and he's telling them that, that the, the men, the old men and women will be in the streets again of, of Jerusalem, and that the boys and the girls will laugh and play again, and that's part of the vision that CD ha CDC has for their community. And so last week, I was struck with that as we watched the kids come back to CDC for the first time um, since the, the beginning of March. And we literally were playing in a field with them right across the street and laughing and playing and having fun and, and bringing life um, back to that when we've all had to be separated. But but it was just such a cool reminder of how God is faithful and he, and that we, he allowed us to be a part of that. So we were able to, um, they have an educational piece. They had, they are learning this summer all about the armor of God, which was 
perfect and, and wonderful to hear them singing songs and learning about the armor of God because we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the powers of darkness and they're everywhere right now and we know that. So for these little kids to be learning that and hearing that and putting that into their hearts was such um, a blessing to me and to all of our team. Um, and so we are just we were just so excited to be a part of that and there was an educational piece too where we were able to help with reading and and getting some one-on-one -on -one time with them which is so desperately needed for them as well so um it was a great time at day camp and my friend rachel is going to talk about a little bit about what they did on the work team yeah so this year this year was my fourth year going down to detroit um i normally do day camp but i decided to do work team this year uh, this year was a long and a hot one, um, as it was 90 degrees pretty much every single day we were down there. Um, our work team, we had two kind of different teams. We had a paint team, and then we had our outdoor work team. So our paint team went to a CDC's laundromat and fitness center called Fit and Fold, and they were there repainting that for them. And then our rest of our team, we went to a community park and there, it was just covered in weeds all around the play structure. So we went there and pulled out all the weeds so then we could remulch it so the kids can have a fresh area to play. Uh, we also, after we finished up there, we went to a house in the community and she was having issues with her foundation. So we had to dig five feet down in the length of her house. Um, so that was a one of our hardest projects we had to do all week long. Um, and then we got done with there and we went to CDC's community orchard and we were restaining all their benches there to make them nice and fresh for people to come and sit in their orchard. And then we also put up new p signs for neighborhoods. So for their new neighborhood, we were able to put up signs for them. So this year we're really working in the community, uh, directly into the community, reaching out to people. As we we're putting up the signs, we had so many people stop and ask us what we're doing and ask us a bunch of different questions. So this year was just really cool being able to see the community and being able to help the community. Um, God really worked in us. As I said, it was extremely hot. We were in direct sun all week long um, and we were working only six hours a day, but we were able to get all of our projects done. Um, it was just so cool seeing God's power in us and just being able to get through the day and having energy still at the end of the day. So fantastic they were filthy as you can imagine but um they actually had that we always tease there's always this battle between who has the harder days the day camp team or the work crew and usually we would say the day camp this year the work team i think um definitely won that but it was again such a blessing i we i love the partnership that calvary has with CDC and um, it truly, after all these years has become, they're like family to us. And and if you've not been able to be a part of it in any of our um, things that we do with them in the summer, in ABCs in the D, um, our backpack, um, a project that's going on, I just would encourage you. It's a, it's a great, great way to share God's love, to shine his light um, in a place that can be really dark. Just like Canton, though, we're not, we're, there's darkness everywhere, right? But it's only 30 minutes away, and, um, and it was just such a blessing um, to be a part of that this year again. So um, would you just pray with me as we pray for CDC and the ministry that they're doing? Um, God, we praise you. We thank you um, because you are worthy and you are faithful. And God, we just give you all the praise and all the glory 
um, for all that went on last week um, during our day camp and our work team and all that's going on at CDC. And I just thank you um, for the creativity that you've given to the staff and coming up with a plan to be able to do day camp and to be able to minister and serve um, their community um, and the kids there this summer. And I just continue to ask for protection over um, all the teams coming down and the staff and the kids and their families that you would just protect them from illness and that they would continue to be able to um, have their doors open, um, sharing your love and your light um, to the, the community around them. God, I just pray that you would give each of us um, wisdom in how we can be a part and how we can be um, serving um, in our own community and those close to us um, as we live out um, the, the salvation that you've given to us and as we live that out and follow you. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Steph, Rachel, and to everyone of you who, some of you watching online are here today uh, that were on that trip as well. So what a great opportunity to continue to partner. So as I said, we're, uh, we're talking about living out that calling as ambassadors. And as, as I was thinking about, you know, what, I, what, what God would want me to share with you today, you know, we could have done a study on the early church, right? We could have taken a, taken a look at the starting in Jerusalem and then what happened when the, the early church, what they did when they were in Jerusalem and then after they were dispersed or we could do a whole study like a quick journey through the book of Acts. Or we could, we could take a look at the life of Paul. Uh, we could take a, take a look at, at his life and see how he was such a, an ambassador of the, of the gospel. Or we could take a look at uh, so many of the things that he wrote to the churches encouraging them, imploring them, just like he did to the Corinthians about being ambassadors. But I thought, you know, just to, to keep it simple and to keep it with that theme of, of we're about uh, living our lives as Jesus lived his, that we could become like him, I just thought we'd take a look at, at our master, uh, at our master Jesus who was on mission. And if you, uh, if you have your device with you or maybe even brought a Bible, if you're watching online, you can bring up something uh, while you're watching. Uh, look to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And there, Matthew records that Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages. Jesus continued going around. Now, this most likely, it, this is not a uh, Matthew recording a singular event, but it's more like a description of a summary of Jesus' ministry. And what, I, what I'd like to point out the, in, the, in the use of the, the particular tense of this, of this verb is that this is something that wasn't an exception for Jesus, but it was his norm. It was his regular practice. It was just what he did. He went around to all the towns and villages. He just went out and he was with the people. He was on mission just kind of on an everyday way. And that's a, a term that we like to use here at Calvary. And if you're, you've been around Calvary, you've heard it. We like to see our lives as, as people who have received Jesus as everyday missionaries. Now, I am certainly not discounting the particular call that God puts on some people's lives, that he wants them to uh, be uh, an ambassador to this particular people group or this particular country or in this particular city or this you know, particular um, segment of the population for a part uh, particular period of time. That happens, that's real, and, and, I, and I love that God does that. But I also would, would remind us that as people who want to become like Jesus— as people who have heard the call that Paul made to the Corinthians and to us to be amb ambassadors on Christ's behalf, that we, in our everyday lives, are missionaries. 
And every time that we are with people, it is an opportunity for us to live the way Jesus lived. And so I, just, just before we go any further, I'd, I'd like for us to not think about living on mission as ambassadors, kind of like as an outlier, as an except, exception, as like something that we kind of like, oh, you know, uh, I, the pastor Dave has been talking about being, you know, being, uh, sharing my faith. I better do that once this month anyway. I'm not, that's not the approach I'm talking about. I'm talking about instead trying to see your life, your neighborhood, your classmates, your teammates, the people that live in your dorm room <laughs> or in your dorm room, and that, that, that's going to change your social media connections, your, the, the places where you shop, the people that you work with, all those, all those different relationships. How can you see yourself in that same way that Jesus continued going around to all the town and villages? You just kind of in the normal, everyday course of your life are on mission for him. As Jesus went in that regular practice, probably Capernaum being his, kind of like his home base. He was, uh, Jesus, most scholars would call him something known as, a, as an itinerant rabbi. He was a rabbi that traveled around the country, and his home base was probably in Capernaum. But as he traveled around, here's what he did. And the first thing was, Jesus had something to say. He had a message for those whom he would, he would uh, come in contact with. It says in Matthew 9:35, continuing, that he was teaching in their synagogues. That word teaching is the word didasco. It means to, to hold discourse with someone in order to instruct them. It also says that Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Teaching in their synagogues, that place of, 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 of religious uh, uh, worship gathering spot for the, for the Jews. And he was preaching the good news of the kingdom. The word, the, the Greek phrase for that is keruso euangelion basileia proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And as you see that word either on the screens or online, you can see that euangelion, how we get our word evangelism from it. And that's exactly what it means. That the, it, it means to proclaim. The word caruso, the, 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 the verb there, means to be a herald, to be one who announces, the one, one who publicly proclaims. And it always carries with it the suggestion of a, of a formality, of, of something that's important, of something that has authority and that needs to be listened to. And so I want to say at the, at the very outset that sometimes we think that, you know, well, if we just go out there and we live our lives, if we go out there and we're, and we're kind and we're good and we're gentle and we're loving and we're, and we and we, and we, we're, we're kind of like nice people in the world. <laughs> maybe we're, as Christians, we're, we're, we're some of the nicest people around and that kind of thing. Maybe that's all the witness we need to do. But that wasn't all that Jesus did. Remember, we are trying to live our lives the way he lived his life. Life. And Jesus had something to say. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. And for us, it's not enough to just only live a life. You know that misnomer? It's been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I doubt whether he was the one who said it. I have no idea really who said it or who we could attribute it to. Maybe it evolved over time, but you might have heard the phrase, you know, at, you know, at all times preach the gospel and then when necessary use words. It's really not true. That's not a misnomer. That's a misnomer. That's not, the, that's not scriptural. I kind of get the heart of what's trying to be mentioned, like, like your, let your life be a light as well as your words. I get that, but in no way should we see that it's only when necessary. Now, I understand that we have to build relationships with people. It's not like we can just, I, I, I don't personally take the tack that I knock on my neighbor's door 
and, and offer them up that question that you was used by a particular evangelism campaign. You know, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? <laughs> that, kind of a, that, that kind of a thing. Now, if, if that could be the style that's, uh, that God might use, I'm not saying he never used that for in any way to never bring someone to Christ. I'm sure some people came that way. But I'm not suggesting that's our regular practice. I'm just saying as, as we're out with people, as we're involved in their lives, as we're building relationships, I believe that we have to be praying for and also seizing the opportunities to infuse the message of the gospel into our conversation with people. Remember, we're not just there so that they say uh, about us, well, you know, they're, they're pretty nice, pretty nice guy, pretty nice gal. Well, you know, I kind of like being around them. At some point, we have to, just like Jesus did, share the good news of the kingdom. And so we need to be well-versed in what that good news is. What does it mean? What is the gospel? What is the truth of how someone comes into a relationship with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ? And is there, and do we pray for those opportunities? Because folks, we do have something to share. We have something to say. We have a message to proclaim. We also see that Jesus took action. In the continuing in verse 35, it finishes this way. It says, after he was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, it says, and healing every disease and every sickness. Can I just be honest with you for a few minutes, like just kind of a little open, transparent? This phrase has kind of haunted me ever since I've been in ministry. Because I'm not sure exactly what that means for my life. When I think about if I, 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 again, going back up to that verse from 1 John, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I will become like my teacher when I'm fully trained. So what does it mean for me that my teacher, my master, my savior, went around healing every disease and sickness? I've often wondered, does that mean I should be able to do that? And I've at times been frustrated, like, you know, there's, there's a camp of people who think, well, you know, even though we see Jesus do it and the early church, the apostolic church uh, was a miracle working church, and maybe we, 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 there could be a, a, a reality that, that that has waned over time. And some would suggest to you that in the completion of the Bible, the canon, the 66 books of scripture, some would suggest that that the, the, that the expectation and the need for miracle working went away. I don't personally, again, being very open, transparent, I don't personally find that teaching explicitly in Scripture. I try to be open. I try to be teachable. I listen to that position, and that might be where you're at, and I'm not trying to come at you if, if, you, if you're in that position, but I just don't personally see and attach to that in, in, as, I, as I study Scripture. But I don't know what this means for me then. The best I can come up with is I have, to, I have to say this. Jesus was absolutely concerned about people's spiritual eternal destiny, correct? And we should be too. But at the same time, he was not unconcerned about their sickness and disease. He didn't ignore that. He provided some sort of healing in that. And so at, at mo I, I have to be able to struggle through well, what's that look like for me? Even if I can't provide the kind of healing that Jesus provided, aren't I called at some level to provide some type of healing to people who are sick and hurting and in pain? Even if that's 
sitting there and crying with them, praying with them, listening to them, empathizing with them. Isn't there at some level that I can do that? And I recognize that's not the same thing as what Jesus did. But I just thought, hey, how's it going out there? Uh, I just thought that it, that it would be good for us to just take a minute and, and not just breeze right past that, right? Because certainly our Savior, he did heal every disease and sickness. Not only did he have a message, to, uh, uh, something to say, but he had an action to take. The scripture continues in verse 36. If you're following along, you can look at that verse. And it's going to point out how Jesus was aware. There was an awareness. There was, he was not oblivious. He didn't ignore people. It says in, in verse 36 that when he saw the crowds, he saw them. And, and I would suggest to you that, and likewise, we can't ignore the needs of people. We can't ignore the crowds. We can't be oblivious to what's going on around us in culture, but instead, we need to see it. But I would suggest to you that it's very important that we follow up that, 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 that phrase of when he saw the crowds uh, with the next one, which is a super in, uh, insightful way into understanding what Jesus was feeling when he saw the crowds. So Jesus had this awareness. He saw the crowds, and then he felt something. Now you think about the emotion that you feel. When you see people, let's just call the uh, people who have, have not yet received Jesus, let's just use the term the crowds. When we see the crowds of, of culture, let's just say it that way. Sometimes we get frustrated, right? Sometimes we get annoyed. We get irritated. We get discouraged. We get angry. Scripture says when Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. He felt compassion of them, for them. Why? Because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. The word that we translate into the English as distressed, it's a pretty graphic word. It means to skin or flay or mangle. It's a, it, you can get the picture, right? These are wrecked people. These are injured people. These are bloodied, beaten up people. Ironically, it can mean to do that to yourself. And when we see the crowds, we understand that in some pe- for some people, the pain that has come into their life, they have brought that on themselves. And guess what? I would hazard a guess to say that including the one who's speaking, Nearly every person in this audience on campus and watching online today has done injurious things to themselves. We all have. We've skinned ourselves. We've flayed ourselves. We've mangled our own lives. And not only that, but uh, he goes on to say, Matthew, that they're dejected. And that word, another graphic word, it means to throw down with violence, to cast to the ground, to hurl onto the ground. So these, when Jesus sees these people, they are, they're, they're messed up, they're bloodied, they're beaten up, and they've been thrown to the ground. Maybe a good picture of uh, uh, something we could think of as we think about what the kind of the experience that people are having is, is a certain traveler. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 10 about a guy who was on a trip between two cities from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was known as a dangerous road. Probably shouldn't have traveled that, uh, that alone, but he did. And on that road, he encountered trouble. Some robbers, uh, you know, ambushed him. The Bible says they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up and they left him half dead. A couple people walked and they were oblivious to his need, right? 
Jesus says in the parable that the, the priest and the Levite, they kind of like saw him, but they didn't really see him, right? They just kind of walked around. And then there was a Samaritan. And the Samaritan stopped and did something about his, I would suggest to you, distressed and dejected position. His place of being mangled, beaten up, and left for dead, thrown to the ground. So when Jesus tells this story about this good Samaritan, he's telling the story of himself. That when he sees the crowds, he doesn't like us feel anger and annoyance and frustration. But it says he feels compassion on them. If you've been around Calvary for a while, you know that my favorite word in the entire New Testament is the Greek word splanknizomai. <laughs> Not just because it's super fun to say once you can learn how to say it. Splanknizomai is such a graphic representation of the emotion of Jesus. It literally means, another graphic word, to be moved to one's bowels. Again, sorry for all the graphic nature of it. But the reason it means that, or the reason it's used here is because uh, bowels were thought by the Jews to be the seat of love, empathy, and pity. And so to be moved to one's bowels means to be moved with compassion, to empathize with someone, to love them. And so I would say that unless we, as the followers of Jesus, can see people the way he sees them and feel about them the way he felt about them, the way he feels about us, in our messed up, bruised, battered, bloodied, thrown down situation, and we might have done it to ourselves, but when he looks at Dave and sees how I've wrecked my life, he doesn't say, idiot. He has compassion on me. He has pity on me. He loves me. And so as a, as a people who are called to walk like he walked and see like he sees, may we be people who feel like he felt. Compassion. I need to move toward the end here. And as Jesus did, he, he uh, kind of uh, showed the challenge of all of this. He said at the beginning of verse 37, as he's now speaking to his, his followers, he says, by the way, you guys, you know, the harvest is abundant. So many people out there who need to be brought back to my father. But the workers are few. The workers are few. And I would say that those words ring true today. Not that God is not at work bringing people to himself. He absolutely is. But there's still so many who need to know Jesus as Savior. And there seems to be so few of us who are willing to embrace that calling as Jesus followers of being his witnesses and ambassadors. So he gives the second half of the challenge, which is actually kind of like a, a prayer request. He says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And our prayer is just that. My prayer is that even today, I'm silly enough to think that even today, as we pray for that very thing, that there might be six or eight or ten of you who say, you know what? This calling of witness and ambassador, this calling to feel like Jesus felt, to see like Jesus saw, to proclaim what he proclaimed, it's going to become a more serious thing in my life. It's not going to be an outlier. 
not going to be that one thing where, yeah, I, I, I send a check to an evangelistic organization once a year so I can think, oh, at least I've done something. And again, I'm with you in this, folks. I'm, this is not easy work. But I believe it is incredibly rewarding kingdom work. And God's inviting you into his harvest. We are workers in it. He's the Lord of it. The results are up to him. But he's invited us to be part of his work. And so the questions that I want to leave you with today for you to kind of wrestle with this week, chew on, maybe even in this moment. Think of the word embody. Who do you embody? If I were to follow you around, if I were to talk to the people who knew you well and you did the same about me, with me, who or what does your life embody? Does it embody the person of Jesus? Are you an ambassador for him? Are you living as he lived, seeing as he saw, feeling as he felt, proclaiming as he, those things that he proclaimed? And then the second question is, what's your witness? Of whom or of what do you witness? We're passionate about a lot of things, right? I understand that. We're passionate about things that are, that are fun, like music and sports and movies and all that kind of stuff. We're passionate about other things that are, that are a little bit maybe higher level on the important scale, like political movements and, and social issues. I, I understand all that. And there's nothing wrong with having those passions. And sometimes you are incredible witnesses of a particular band or a particular political position or a particular sports team. You wear their gear. You speak their language. You, like, love them, right? I'm around you. I know you love this thing. But I know you love Jesus by your witness. Would you know that I love him by my witness? Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 1 of the letter he wrote to them, in union with him, with Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our offenses, according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. That's what we have. For those of us who have received by grace God's offer, we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus back into a relationship with our Father. We have been forgiven of all of our offenses. And it's all because not of anything we've done, but because of the incredible grace that God has lavished on us. And now, for those of us who have received that, he has committed to us that very same message to share with others. Redemption, forgiveness, and grace. That's what it means, I believe, to be a witness, just like Jesus was. Not as an outlier in our lives, but as the regular practice of who we are as his followers. The worship team is going to lead us in a uh, song to wrap us up today. I think the words in it are going to speak volumes about uh, really what God wants to do in us. And as they're coming up to get ready to lead us in that, I'm going to pray. So if you'd bow your heads with me either here in person or online, that'd be great. Father God, we see your son, how he lived and how he died. And we see purpose, intention, mission, compassion, and love. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray to you, the Lord of the harvest,
I pray that those who are hearing my voice right now, either here in person or online, that there might be a few people, Lord, that are hearing your call into the harvest field. I pray for that student God who's headed into their junior year in high school or maybe just getting ready to start college, thinking about what, what is my life going to be? I pray that they may hear that call. I pray for that grandfather who's sitting here today who might be thinking about what is it that I have yet to do with my life that he might hear that call. I pray for that stay-at-home mother, Lord. I pray for that single parent. I pray for that middle-aged guy like myself. I pray for those young families. I pray for the entirety of our body here today, God, that your calling might ring true and clear. That we might hear it, Lord, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. And we truly might embrace that calling that you have on our lives to live as witnesses, to be workers in your harvest field, to embody the life of Jesus and to be a witness of his love and mercy. Change us, God, we pray for your glory and for your will. Amen.